Folks, Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, we have a number of folks we're going to be talking with today. A couple of real hot topics. I don't know if anybody was aware of the fact what happened at Seattle City Council. Uh, I guess it was last week on uh, Tuesday. There was a, a vote on, uh, I guess, sponsored by Councilmember Savant uh, to be uh, banned caste-based discrimination. And I guess it's been a situation we were waiting for Rita Mayer, uh, Samir, uh, and also Reverend Jeffrey's going to be joining us. And Samir has joined us already. Samir, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, 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 is on the line already. Reverend Jeffrey or Rita has not joined us. So, uh, Samir, you've been uh, 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 activists against uh, the caste system for quite a while. Uh, and Reverend Jeffrey has joined us as well. So thank you for being here, Reverend Jeffrey. But Samir, I'd like to have you just start off and explain to our listeners who might not be familiar with uh, the caste system. So before we go to the city council vote and Reverend Jeffrey and Ijoma's uh, support, why don't you uh, explain to our listeners exactly what that is? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, caste system is uh, it's, it's a social tiering system in Indian subcontinent, mainly Indian subcontinent. And uh, it, it has its roots, uh, at least right now, across all the religions. And uh, it's, it's more of a social problem right now. Uh, uh, there are uh, there are four formal castes that exist. Like the top one is the caste, which is the you know, uh, priest caste, and there's a warrior class. And there's a the fourth one is the is the is what's called the lit, is kind of lower caste people, shudras. And uh, then there's a fifth undocumented caste, which is the untouchable caste. And untouchable uh, untouchable class is where I come from. My people come from, and we are like good seventeen to twenty percent of India's population. Uh, and throughout the subcontinent, in other countries, it's kind of uh, and there, it's a different story. But definitely in India, uh, we are seventeen to twenty percent, and uh, uh, and traditionally, uh, we are there. There are certain lowest cost job workers. That's what we were like. Uh, this is, we were socially segregated. We would live outside of the town boundaries into our own segregated communities. And when my people, uh, my grandparents, stuff when they are getting into the town. They had to wear some kind of like a, a drum up something and kind of announce themselves that they are coming, so that people can avoid their shadows on them. Uh, if uh, they would come and clean the gutters and clean the toilets and all that stuff, and but they are not allowed inside house. Uh, they cannot drink water from the same wells or same part of the river, and uh, it's kind of a, uh, and and it went on for thousands of years in Indian community. And uh, after independence around 70, 80 years ago, 1947, uh, we uh, we got constitutional right to uh, to not to be discriminated. But society is still catching up to those laws that were put in place at that time. Well, we know all about this, the different drinking panels, don't we, Dr. Jeffrey? Yeah, we know about that. <laughs> yeah, growing up in Louisiana the first 10 years of my life, I was very accustomed to seeing the colored drinking sound fountain as well as that. So, Dr. Jeffrey, you were involved in this effort and also uh, authored an op-ed piece about yeah. the fact that uh, 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 that the, the caste system is hand-in-hand uh, -hand with, with uh, fight, fighting caste system. is just like caste system oppression is the same thing as fighting racism in this country. So uh, I know you are uh, getting involved in a lot of uh, social and economic and political justice issues. Why don't you give us uh, your uh, play on 
your uh, perspective on this. And I want to congratulate uh, Council uh, Councilmember uh, Shannon Sawan too for stepping up to the plate and getting it done. So, Dr. Jeffrey, can you give us your your spin on that? Well, to me, the caste system in America begins at the point of um, oppressive cultural restrictions that affect the way Black and Brown people view themselves in society. These restrictions affect how we look, our hair, our clothes, music, speech. They also limit historical information that is vital to our sense of both belonging and our sense of self-worth is going on in Florida right now where Black history is being um, attacked and limited. It is a social system that marginalizes and dehumanizes those who are poor, homeless, or LGBTQ+. It labels them as the other, while in some instances criminalizing their behavior. The deception of America is that people can easily move across these divides. This, however, is not always the case, and in, in many instances, it doesn't happen. Most people live their lives and die within the confines of their culturally identified social structure. For example, Black women are four more times likely to die of childbirth, according to the BBC report. Americans are incarcerated at nearly, Black Americans are incarcerated at nearly four, five times the rate of whites. Also, according to the National Center of Educational Statistics, more than 60 years after Brown versus Board education, school systems in America remain separate and unequal. Mm. Black Americans uh, earn 30% less than white Americans, while Blacks own, make, Black owned businesses make up less than 2% mm. of United States businesses in America. And... Mm-hmm. In 2021, uh, African-American-owned businesses received 0.18% of the state's business in yeah. 2021. Yeah. And that's why you and I have our names on a, on a civil rights complaint to the Justice Department. Yeah. And Congress, Congressman Benny Thompson has got involved. And we just, uh, Bob Armstead and I just had to sign releases to have uh, Benny Thompson's office, Congressman Thompson's office, get information from the Department of Justice. So I know exactly what you're saying. I really appreciate you. But I want to, uh, Rita, Rita, have you joined us, Rita Mirror? Rita is uh, the co-founder and executive director of Tazvir. It's the largest South, a- South Asian film festival. And uh, she's an, an indigenous, I, I, I can't pronounce it, Rita, help me, please. Anyway, it's oh, a Adiwasi. Okay. So Rita, why don't you go ahead and, and let us know about uh, your struggle and fight and the success you had last Tuesday at Seattle City Council. Um, uh, you want to want me to talk about my struggles? No, I just want we want to we want to relate all this to what happened at the City Council last Tuesday. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, my part, uh, which is a smaller part of the contribution to this ordinance, was when the ordinance was announced on January twenty fourth. That is when I decided to publicly announce everywhere that I am also from an oppressed caste system, uh, grew up, born and brought up as as an oppressed caste member in India. And uh, I always, always hid uh, for at least half a century. I'm a 50-year-old woman and never openly told anyone that um, I'm an Adiwasi. And that's when with seeing all my friends and allies and all the movement that was uh, happening 
behind this to make this anti-class discrimination world come to a reality. I felt empowered and I felt I also need to contribute to this movement and want to speak that uh, I belong in this system and uh, and wanted to testify um, for this. Um, yes, that was that was my role. Okay, that's great. Now let's go to the other author, Ijoma Ozrolu. Olua. Olua. Okay. I, uh, anyway, Dr. Jeffrey, she knows my daughter Angela, so uh, they've been <laughs> across paths a few times, but they would be because yeah. they in the same field. But ma'am, I just wanted to get your uh, input and impression on the ordinance that passed uh, on banning uh, case-based uh, discrimination. You know, I think we all here, we know what this looks like, right? We know what it looks like where from the moment we were born, even before we were born, and predetermined where we are supposed to be in society and the place we are supposed to be in. And, you know, as a Black American, I know what that looks like and I can recognize it in other people, in other populations. And not only that, I can recognize the gaslighting against right and the campaign that's happening to us has been telling us that racism has been over for a long time and we need to get over it and ignore it. And there's no, nothing to see here is the exact same thing that's been happening to oppressed caste people throughout the world. And, and especially here in the U.S. where this movement is really taking up steam. People are saying it doesn't happen here. And yet time and time again, I was, you know, I was there at city council hearing the testimonies from people talking about what it meant to them when, you know, their supervisor would find out they were lower caste because they were eating meat or something like that that would give them away or their last name would give them away and how suddenly all their profits were taken from them. Suddenly they were being discriminated against. How suddenly no kids could come spend the night at their house for their kids to play with, right? All of these things that suddenly would just be stripped away from them. And we know what that's like. I know what it's like when friends would invite me to play until their parents would see me. And suddenly it wasn't invited to play anymore, right? And we know this. And I think that it was a beautiful opportunity to stand in solidarity. I also just want to point out real quick, too, if you look at a lot of the opposition and the arguments they're making, they're borrowing from white supremacist movements. In fact, I've seen people saying, just white Americans want to preserve their heritage, we're trying to preserve our heritage, right? So we have to be really aware that not only is it vital because it's the right thing to do, but anywhere that we let oppression stand, it's going to come back on us because they're working together, right? To make sure that everyone knows their place in society and no one tries to move out of it. So being last week, seeing victory, watching people cry and be able to like release decades of pain and shame and fear, knowing that we made this monumental step. I just felt honored to be asked to be there and to be able to witness something so lovely. That, that's very well stated. I want to go back to Samir now. Uh, you are in, in a, a lower caste uh, system, but you are a technology professional. So all that is behind you now. And uh, you know, do you think a lot of things happen in Martin Luther King Jr. County? You know, Seattle's in Martin Luther King Jr. County. So uh, if there's going to be justice coming from any uh, government entity, it should come from Martin Luther King Jr. County. So Samir, you are a, a, a technology guy now. Uh, what does that elevate you uh, from in the system? Or now we don't have any more in Seattle. 
What is your expectations uh, for the rest of the country to adopt the same kind of ordinance and policy? Good question. Um, it, it's, uh, uh, I live in Seattle, right? I live in Seattle area. Uh, maybe there are some parts of America where it is not prevalent because we don't have large concentration of South Asian people there. But where I live and many, many other places in the United States, right? I'm sure New York is one of those, New Jersey is one of those, Los Angeles and, and Bay Area because of technology population. Uh, uh, while I, where I live and raise my family, uh, uh, this was extremely important to me that it happens in uh, King County, you know, Seattle. And, uh, 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 but I believe that anywhere, uh, uh, we are immigrating to the Southeast Asian people uh, from India, from Sri Lanka, from Pakistan, from Bangladesh, from Bhutan, Nepal, anywhere we are immigrating from, uh, uh, this, we will bring our biases with us. It's very human to keep our biases. Uh, just because we purchased a ticket uh, to the United States doesn't mean our biases go away. And the latest survey, uh, it said 27% uh, of uh, Indians practice untouchability in India. Uh, and that's like in the, within last decade, that survey. And uh, and there are like uh, 10 low, lower caste women get raped every, every day in India. You know, there are a lot of statistics like that. Uh, we are less likely to own businesses. We are in like, you know, on the poorer spectrum uh, in the, in the socioeconomic structure. Uh, uh, there, there is a spirited discussions that happen in today's Microsoft and Amazon and Google campuses about how affirmative actions, which are granted by um, Indian government laws, uh, uh, affirmative actions are actually bad, and how meritless people are taking advantage of it to get become doctors and engineers. And this happens last month with my friends, and uh, uh, and what I. While it has been happening, and you know, I have consciously avoided those discussions until 2020 when I actually came out. And then my friends kind of avoid me talk about those things after I kind of wrote a wrote an article in my on professional LinkedIn uh, during Black like uh, Black Lives Matter moment. Well, you know, um, Reverend Jeffrey and I have moved with we're involved with uh, the MLK Gandhi Empowerment mm -hmm. Initiative, train some of our folks who represent a, a little over one percent of the technology industry. We're doing this with some brothers and sisters from India who uh, uh, are working with us. So uh, we do have some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of relationships that's been ongoing for the last year or so. So I wanted to see, uh, Rita, if you had, we got about three minutes. I want to see if you had a comment, Reverend Jeffrey or uh, Ajuma. Anyone can go first. No, I just think that the similarities in the struggle are, are, are there. The similarities, you have the oppressed class and the oppressor class. And those similarities are there. Uh, they differ from region to region, from, from country to country, but the similarities are the same as, as uh, has already been stated and that all of our struggles are, are the same and we should unite our struggles. I mean, there, there should be a unity around these struggles so that uh, we can um, create a better and, and a more equitable and, and fair world. Um, our struggles are the same. And Reverend Jeffrey has always, since I first met him, <laughs> he's always been a, a drum major for justice. So I appreciate you. Rita, uh, do you, uh, uh, Jama, you guys have a closing remark? I just want to add this, that when the anti-people, anti, I mean, the caste people who wants to keep it in the caste system, 
these opposition people who's saying that when you come take the plane from South Asia over to the US or the West uh, and it just disappears, it disappears because we have been quiet all this time, keeping it under and afraid to come out and just see that this movement is empowering people like myself and Samir to come out. This is when we are starting to speak out after, for me in my case, half a century, 50 years. So we that's why they're thinking, oh, it would never existed. So, uh, so the, the the proof is in the pudding for <laughs> yeah. us coming out and speaking of, of, for it, for our rights and yeah. Okay, well, I want to thank Samir. How do you pronounce your last name, Samir? Uh, it's pronounced, uh, let's say, Cobra Gade, like closest pronunciation is it's like snake and Gade, like hello in Australian, like uh, Cobra Gade, that's the closest okay. to it. Okay, I want to thank you, Reverend Jeffrey, as always. Uh, Joma, thank you very much. I'm glad to know you know my daughter. And uh, Rita, thank you. And uh, uh, we'll be following this very closely to make sure that this is implemented and it got to go across the country. And then it can maybe go and land on some other shores, but it needs to start right here. So thank you all very much for being here today. We appreciate you informing my listening audience. So thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay, my next guests are Velma Valoria and Christian Paulson. Velma is uh, the chair of uh, the King County National Airport Community Coalition. And uh, Christian Paulson is representing the Duwamish River Coalition. And they've been working, uh, I guess, with some of the county council members, uh, primarily Councilman Gurmay Sahali, and uh, also, uh, uh, I wanna leave anybody out, Joe McDermott. And so Velma, as chair of the uh, uh, King County International Airport Community Coalition, we'll start with you and let us know what the issues are and what the, what the concerns are for the residents around the King County International Airport. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you for having us talk a little bit about what we're working on. So um, let me tell you what has happened, right? In 2019, the King County International Airport Master Plan was put forward to the community. And what we saw was that there was going to be an increase in flight, which would mean increase in noise and air pollution. And it would also, they're trying to, you know, find ways to figure out how to buy more property so that they can expand the airport and a whole bunch of other little things. But one of the main things that we wanted to, um, to talk to the airport about was to say, wait a minute, before you make any kind of plans like that, you need to have the community voice in there. We need to be at the table. And it's been so far along that they, they haven't sat down with us regarding what, um, what kind of concerns that we have. So we put forward a piece of uh, legislation, an ordinance. It's 00, um, it's 2023-0053. And that ordinance actually asked for a lot of the things that we're asking for. And maybe Christian can say a few more words about it, but the ordinance is 2023-0053. And Christian, do you wanna add a little bit? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Paulson with the Duwamish River Coalition, go right ahead. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me today. I think it's a great opportunity to talk about um, the ordinance um, and the fact that the, the, the communities of the Duwamish River, River Valley can't breathe. We're Seattle's only majority BIPOC and immigrant neighborhoods and we're some of its most vulnerable populations. And we have three highways, uh, uh, two airports, a seaport, um, and, and we host a, a river that's so polluted, it's a national uh, uh, Superfund site. Um, toxic, toxic airborne emissions and dangerous airborne particulate matter with local sources um, like cancer-causing diesel exhaust from drage trucking and, and, and airborne lead emissions from KCIA uh, uh, help us have some of the, the, the worst air quality in the area. And it gives us some of the highest asthma rates in King County higher childhood asthma, um, hospitalization rates, um, and a variety of negative health disparities that result in a 13-year life expectancy gap between folks in the Duwamish River Valley and places like Laurelhurst and other richer, wider um, areas. Uh, we have uh, a fraction of the green space in the Duwamish River Valley that other parts of the city has. And we think it's about time that we um, at least have a seat at the table with with uh, 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 local actors like King County International Airport, um, something that distinguishes them from places like Seattle Iron and Metal and Art All Glass is the fact that they're owned and operated by the county and they should be subject to a higher standard of environmental and social responsibility to their neighbors, especially when they're embedded in BIPOC communities. So, so I just want to ask about uh, I mentioned I see Velma in the uh, email I got from you that you have been working with Joe Mc, uh, Council Member Joe McDermott and Councilman Gurme Sahali. Uh, is are they are they supporting the ordinance that you're you're advocating? Oh, definitely. Both of them are actually sponsors of our ordinance, right? Because both of them represent different parts of the air, of the airport. So. Um, to the west, I think is uh, Joe McDermott's. Further to the the east side is um, Sahilai's district. So both of them have actually sponsored this piece of legislation. The problem that we're having is that it's inside the general, uh, the government accountability and oversight committee, and it's been there. Let me tell you, we've been working on this for two years, and the chair of that committee has not let it out. So what we're asking folks here is to call council member Van Reichbauer and tell him to get that ordinance out of committee. So the ordinance again is 2023-0053. It's sitting right now in the um, government accountability and oversight committee. And the chair of that committee is Van Reichbauer, Peter Van Reichbauer. So folks can, you know, give him a call and, you know, tell them to move this uh, ordinance out of the committee, we can get the full council to vote on it. Well, all of the county council members and Dow and his staff received a copy of this email and letting folks know that you guys were gonna be on today. And then they checked my Facebook because uh, Christian, I didn't get you until late, but you are posted up on Facebook. And one thing about that, this program will air again uh, in uh, about two hours after the regular program will be on be available on Alexa and my podcast for the rest mm -hmm. of the week they'll be archived on my website for a year. So anyone that's interested in this issue can also go in here so you can let your people know. And also you can use as excerpts of this uh, interview on your website if you so choose. Oh, so, that's wonderful. Yeah, I want to make sure you were aware of that. So uh, 
what are the next steps as far as the Duwamish River Coalition is concerned? And what, what action will you take next, Christian Paulson? Well, I think that we're going to continue to try to bring um, uh, this issue to the community and continue to organize the community uh, and, and raise up the community voices. We don't act um, on our own. We act in concert and collaboration with all of our neighbors. Uh, we'll work really closely uh, um, with King County International Airport Community Coalition, and we're going to try to drive this issue um, through the council. We believe that this is an issue of environmental justice. And um, if the county is going to go as far as to declare um, environmental justice uh, uh, and racism a public health crisis, that we, we really intend to hold them to those, those commitments they've made to us. And you know what? If, you, if they make the commitment, that you got to keep the, the heat on them or keep reminding them that they're not living up to their word. So that's real important. So Velma, who would you encourage people to listen to the program that might live in the area? What would you encourage them to do in terms of getting involved? In, in terms of getting involved, number one, join our coalition, right? So we have a website. It's drcc.org slash KCIACC. And you can find the information about that there. And then the other thing is I really would like to have the people who are listening to this program to talk to or email, make phone calls to Peter Van Reitbauer, tell him to put the ordinance up for a hearing and then out for a vote to the full council. Velma, text me that, uh, uh, that uh, the ordinance? website, the website address, and then I can put that underneath your picture on Facebook so people have access to that. Uh, okay. It's, it's good to hear. Now, how many other community community groups do you have working together on this, Velma? Oh, there's at least 12 of us right now in the organization. So there's, um, and Christian, help me with this. Besides the DRCC, we have the 350 Seattle, mm -hmm. which is a yeah, 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 350. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to over talk you there. We also have Puget Soundkeepers Alliance. Uh, they are very close uh, uh, allies of ours. Um, the uh, Ethnic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and uh, who else do we have? Emma? We, we have. A so we have we have, for example, the um, Georgetown Community Council, which is right there in Georgetown. We have this organization called Friends of Georgetown History which is a, 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 an organization that provides um, tours around the area in um, Georgetown. And so we're also, you know, trying to do some outreach into different types of organizations like um, Spian. I don't know if you know Samet Mel. Um, he's, he has an organization called Spian Rajana. He's part of that organization, right? So there's several of us that are part of this organization of the council. I mean- Okay, Christian, you know. I want you guys to keep me informed on what's happening. And like I said, this program will be available on Alexa for the next week and my podcast, and then it'll be also archived on the website. So people who are involved, they can go and hear what you guys have to say. People who are interested in to live in the community, uh, you ask them, direct them to this, uh, listen to this program. But thank both of you very much. And thank you for the work you're doing. Environmental justice does not discriminate. It hurts anybody that's in the way of it. And just look yeah. what's happening in Ohio right now with that train where they cut right. back on the workers and then created a catastrophe. So sometimes yep. people are so profit driven, they just dis completely disregard human beings altogether. So thank you both very much. Okay. I appreciate your work you're doing. And thank Thanks you for, for the work me. you're doing, Eddie. All right. Thank you. Okay, Eric, we're going to take the break and come back. 
At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Yeah, Eddie Ryback, back here Reform Northwest, and that's Eric playing the jams. I want to thank uh, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion with Allison and Nikki at the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office with Men, Lawrence, and Josie, and the City of Seattle's Persons Construction Services Office with uh, Mark... Uh, and uh, Carol and Carmen and Jesse, and Jesse's not there anymore. He's in a bigger position, I'm sure. But my next guest is the president of the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, also known as the McKinney Center. The building's on 22nd and Jackson, initially built to house the Seattle OIC program to train uh, African-Americans primarily to become middle-class citizens and having a productive work career through the training. So, uh, Gerald Bradford, the new president of the board, how you doing? And tell us uh, what's the status of the building and how soon can folks move in? Wow. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Rye. Uh, pleasure to be on um, the radio with you today, being able to talk with your listeners. Uh, good afternoon, Seattle. Um, yes, my name is Gerald Bradford, and I am, I was previously the vice president of the board and I have been elevated. I wanna give a little bit of background behind the project. Um, the McKinney Center is a 111,000 square foot building and it was completed in 1975 and um, originally was set up to be an educational facility. Um, it has housed training and educational resources, most recently entry-level medical and dental training programs uh, that were sponsored through Seattle Colleges. The building has been mostly vacant for much of the past two years and is in need of um, repair and improvements. Previously, Seattle College has acted as a project manager for us, and we have currently um, hired uh, the Petro Green Group to do contract management and project management for um, us, and they came on board on May 2021. Um, we have actually We've actually been doing some work and doing some, um, we've been working on our core and shell, uh, which is needed in order for us to, to be able to um, land tenants into our building. 
So currently we are working on the restoration and the improvements of the McKinney building. Um, and um, currently we um, have been, we're operating with um, for our fiscal year, 2022, 2023 with $1.8 million. Um, that may sound like a lot of money, but when it's a 111 square foot building that when we took over, it was pretty much at the end of its life. There are a lot of um, upgrades and, um, and there are a lot of the systems are at the end of life and, and are failing. So uh, Mr. Thing, President, I'm gonna share with you that uh, Congressman Adam Smith and also uh, Senator Patty Murray uh, have some information about uh, additional funding. And I think that this would be something that uh, they could go in and elevate uh, and expedite uh, the repairs to the building to get start stuff flowing. So I will share that information with you after we get off the radio. Thank you, um, Mr. Ryan. I actually um, received a, a note from our COO, James King, uh, with regards to trying to put together information in order to be able to meet um, with our state legislators in order for us to be able to move forward with some of those requests that as you're speaking on it. So yes. This, this, this particular, for these funds are federal funds. This is coming okay. from Senator Patty Murray and uh, Congressman Adam Smith's office. So this is a this is a completely different than, than the state funds. This is additional revenue that could be generated on behalf of the McKinney Center and the PDA. Well, we definitely would like to be able to exchange that information, Mr. Rye, to make sure that yeah, that would be very, very helpful. Um, have there been any uh, uh, decisions made about who the occupants will be, or do you have a list of people who are waiting uh, to, to uh, uh, take occupancy once the building is prepared? So at this particular point, I would say no. And be, okay. the reason why I wouldn't want to even get into that particular conversation, Mr. Rock, is that we have to work on the core and shell of the building in order for us to even get in a position to even start to entertain um, the thought of being able to have an anchor tenant. And so the construction um, projects that I'm talking about um, are most recently, we just were able to, um, to replace the boilers in the building, along with the um, the electronic controls, which, as you know, boilers are responsible for heat. And so at, at, there was a point when we took over the building, there was no heat in the building. So we have, um, we spent um, our, our one of our first construction programs, our projects was to be able to do, um, to replace those boilers and those electrical um, units so that we can actually start to have heat. What we found out in this particular process is that the air handling units um, on the first and second um, um, on, the, on, our, on our roof, they're at the end of life. And so that we still need to be able to um, replace our air handling units so that we are able to have building heat throughout the whole building. And um, you know we need to actually work on those air handling units so we can um, have cooling as well. So to your point, um, how our board is set up, Mr. Rye, we have facilities, um, which is what I work on. That's a, that is a, a part of our board that I really work on. Then we have um, programs and partnerships, which is um, headed by Lewis Rudd. You may be familiar with Lewis. Um, Ezel's famous chicken. Ezel's famous chicken. Lewis Rudd is in charge of that. 
And then we have um, government affairs and communications. And so we have, um, we, we are tasking our board members to be able to work on different, um, if, um, different um, board, well, different um, um, advisory boards, I mean, our work, work sessions. So to be, to answer your question, we do not have um, a, an anchor tenant yet. If folks are interested in having a conversation about um, being a tenant, I would like to direct you to our website. And it is the, um, I have it here somewhere. Just text it to me so I can put it underneath your picture on Facebook. I sure will. I will go ahead and get that. You know, while, who are the who's on the board right now? I understand there's been some people who have left the board. Are there any board vacancies? And can you share with our listeners who's on the board right now? So I, I sure can share. And you have to forgive me if I miss anybody's name. I'm getting these things called senior moments sometimes. So um, I'm the president. Shade Moore is the vice president. Um, Dr. Rayburn Lewis is our treasurer, and he was our the inaugural president. Um, so he's taking the position of treasurer. John Yasutaki is on the board as well. Um, as um, Lewis Rudd, as I just indicated also, Mr. James Bush is on our board. Um, Marissa McDowell is on our board. Okay. Truth Allah is on the board. Kelly Jefferson is on the board. I tell you what, can you get me email addresses for Truth and also for uh, Mar Marissa's of Marissa? Marissa McDowell. Yeah, I'd like to get their email addresses. I I'm sending stuff out to all the board members every week about the program. And uh, that way I want to make sure that uh, everybody gets the information. No problem. So right now we are looking for additional board members. And I have um, been in community having conversations with a few people about coming on board and lending their expertise. And just keep in mind, Mr. Rye, so I've been on this board, been serving on this board for three years and um, we don't get paid. So this is the work that we're doing. And that I'm talking about are, these are labors of love for the community. And um, what, what we are doing is the folks that, I mentioned some of the, the, the monies that we're getting for through the building is that we are working intently on trying to make sure that we empower our community. Um, so people who are from the community are getting opportunities to work and participate on the building. So as I mentioned, I was talking about the project management team. That is Miss um, Benita, Benita Thomas with the Petro Green Group. She is a from the community, yeah. African-American businesswoman. Um, Mr. Um, Adrian Collins is um, with 2-6 Development, is in charge of our um, building maintenance. And so we are being intentional in trying to bring opportunities to um, the Central District community for stakeholders who are in that community or in Seattle to be able to participate on the construction. So they, we are working off a small works roster. And I think the challenge is for some of those really small mom and pop contractors, as you know, Mr. Rye, that um, a lot of those folks don't sign up on those kind of rosters, those work rosters to be in order to be suggested for um, public works. 
So what we need to do is to really get the message out to the community. They want to work with us. They want to be able to try to find work within the building, you know, how to do so. And so um, that then again, being able to provide the email, or I'm sorry, the website, so that folks can get a hold of us mm -hmm. if they show interest. I just want to share with you, Mr. President, that a lot of people uh, in the Black community have been discouraged. In 2021, African-American-owned businesses did 0.18% with, uh, with Washington State, and all minorities together didn't do 1% with the, the state's procurement agency, Depart Department of Enterprise Services. Uh, so if 23 years of no affirmative action, when yeah, Governor Gary Locke uh, issued Governor's Directive 98-01 to all government agencies, uh, all those folks, uh, uh, you know, have been just discouraged. So I like the approach you're using, though, by using the small works roster. And I think if people uh, understand now there's going to be some opportunities, they might be inspired to get engaged. So I will definitely share this information. As a matter of fact, uh, this afternoon at five o'clock, uh, the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors will have their meeting. I want to send you uh, the information so you can get on there. You know, of anybody else. And just just listen in. You don't have to say anything, but I think you can get some information, start to get the relationships you need to have uh, with the workers and the contractors. But I also want to take a minute just to talk about the historical significance of that building. That building is Black history. Uh, that building is here because Reverend McKinney brought the Seattle Opportunities Industrialization Center to Seattle to help train Black folks. So uh, I was really disappointed when the Seattle, Seattle colleges wanted to tear the building down. And when you have people come from out of town and don't really know much about Black history, uh, African-American history of the city, uh, you know, they act in a different way. But uh, that building is a historic uh, Black landmark. Uh, okay, so I just want to make sure that everybody understands that. So, and I really appreciate what you guys are doing, anything that I can help. Uh, I was one of the people that went down and as a co-chair of the McKinney Coalition, that advocated for House Bill 1918 that created the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. And it was sponsored by one person, State Representative Sharon Tomi Cosantos. Nobody else sponsored with her. And it went un unchallenged, uh, unanimous, uh, 96 to 0 uh, in the House and 48 to nothing in the Senate. I think there might be one abstention because someone was sick. So people need to understand the building has historical significance to African descendants of the United States enslaved. The building was built to help us, and I sure hope that the focus stays there. And I want to say about Benita, she was a stalwart, outspoken member for the Community Coalition for Contracts and Jobs that fought to get contracts. And every time she knocked the door down, another Black person got the contract. So I'm really glad to hear that you're utilizing her service. She knows what's happening. And sir, uh, we'll have you on regularly so we can keep the community updated. Uh, Gerald uh, Bradford, Mr. President, I want to thank you for your time today, and we'll talk with you soon. And thank I will you, share that information with you. So thank you, Mr. Ryan. I was able to put the McKinney Center um, website in your chat. Okay, this is a radio program, but I'll use that for you to, uh, to pull underneath the picture on Facebook. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You'll be a regular, okay? Be well. You too now. All right, Eric, we'll take our next break and come back with Chef Jamil. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. 
As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. All right, Eddie Ryan back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest. We're in the process of hooking up with uh, Chef Jamil Hill. Uh, uh, he uh, catered uh, the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee's event at Holgate Street Church of Christ last Saturday. And uh, the food was just outstanding. <clears throat> we had a number of, uh, Hayward Evans and I had a number of uh, individuals that were honored, including uh, Linda Thompson Black, who received the Mona Bailey Award from uh, Mona, uh, uh, Chris Bailey, who is uh, heading up the Mona Bailey Academy. They're doing uh, STEM, STEM training for sixth through eighth graders all across the city. Uh, we also had uh, the first Black firefighter chief uh, who retired as chief of the Seattle Fire Department present uh, the current Seattle Fire Chief, Harold Scoggins, the Norm Rice Public Servant Award. And we also found out that Chief Harold Scoggins was the first black firefighter with the Glendale, California Fire Department <clears throat> and ended up being uh, re- uh, leaving and ascended to position of chief. And that's why we got him in Seattle, I guess, about eight years ago now. He's been doing an outstanding job. And then the surprise of the evening was the Maxine, Dr. Maxine Mims uh, Changemaker Award that went to Mary Flowers. Uh, Dr. Maxine Mims had uh, presented Mary Flowers Award in her name. And during that time, uh, uh, Dr. Mims called up several individuals who Mary Flowers had been working with while they were incarcerated. And uh, the thing about it is that it's, I mean, stuff she's been doing for like 16 and 17 years and keeping a family together and having a full-time J-O-B. But uh, those brothers were there and showed their appreciation. And I definitely would have been one of them. I'd have showed my appreciation too. The Chef Jamil is on the line. How you doing, Chef Jamil? How you doing? Okay. (laughs) Well, like I said, it's live radio, so you know you have to be prepared for anything. But first of all, tell I, I was just sharing with the people about how great your food was uh, for the event that we had uh, last Saturday at, at Holgate Street Church of Christ. But why don't you just share a little bit about your background uh, and uh, and how people can get in touch with you? Because uh, you pr- you produce an outstanding uh, cuisine, my man. Well, I'm originally from New Orleans, and and I've been here in Seattle for the last. 27 years and just enjoying the people. You know, it's been such a blessing to be able to serve this community in Seattle. You know, it's some great things happening here and it's also some questions.
questionable things happening in Seattle, you know, as far as our community, and that concerns me. So as long as we're putting out good food and good vibes, I think we're all right. But we got some things to, 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 to be concerned with on some levels in this community, you know. And I'm happy you're out there babbling and a voice for the community, Eddie, on all levels yep. for a lot, a lot, a lot of years, ever since I've been here. So you're appreciated, brother. Well, thank you very much. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We sure appreciated what you laid on the table uh, last Saturday. Now, Jamil, I know that uh, my daughter, Angela, uh, I think you you must be her favorite uh, caterer and guy. Because uh, every time we mention anything, it got to be Jamil. And now everybody's saying it it, it has to be Jamil in the family. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's a blessing, man. That's truly uh, a how, how do people get in touch with you and... Uh, is there a website where they can go on and select menus? Yeah, you can go to what Jamil's kind of notice do you have to give? Um, you go to Jamil's Big Easy and, and see the catering menu, and or you could um, call me and I can patch you through to my um, catering manager if you have um, interest in catering. And, you know, my number's on the website and also my catering manager's on the website. And it's it's pretty easy. It's pretty, you know, informal. Just call us and we'll see if we could, you know, meet and accommodate your catering needs. And, you know, that's where we're at with it. Well, I want to let everybody know that on more than one occasion, I've been over Lenny Wilkins at Marilyn Wilkins' house, and you've uh, dropped off a load there, and it's always been excellent. So uh, I know that you have, uh, you're in, in heavy demand. How much uh, uh, advance notice do people have to give you uh, to uh, to get you to uh, serve them a, a quality meal, and uh, is that based on the numbers of people? How does that work? It base, it's based on the numbers, and it it's always comfortable at least you know seventy two hours in advance. But we go up to forty eight hours in advance. Um, you know, especially if it's something untimely in the family, or you know, you're trying to get a get together, you know, done. You know, we we're flexible, but you know. Optimistically, we would like to do it about 72 hours in advance so everybody's comfortable. Mm. Now, uh, at one time, you had a restaurant at one time, didn't you? Yeah, we had La Louisiana. <laughs> we had the Blazing Cajun in the South End. And we had the Taste of New Orleans. And it, all of them were really nice in the community. But, you know, as restaurants come and go, they came and went, you know. But we, we've still been doing the cooking ever since. Yeah, a lot then. of people left that, that, that neighborhood that you're talking about, too. That's the other thing. One of the one of the things that you know that always concerned me when you trying to make a difference in a, a community, and I've seen it in New Orleans and you know other places I've traveled to, how these communities become less valuable, and then they all of a sudden gentrified, and they're more valuable than the start. So it's not just being a chef; it's being a part of this community when it's being taken from us, you know, mm. and that's on the real. You know, we got to we got to stand up for the people who, you know, got here before us, bought that, bought those houses, bought that land. And then all of a sudden, it's no value to people in the city. There's only value to people when they, you know, kick us out or, you know, devalue our homes and, and our property. So there's a lot of things going on. And it's still great to see a bunch of young African-American chefs and African chefs, you know, coming on, coming into their own and trying to stabilize com communities with food and, and resources like this, you know. It's really important that we leave a mark on, um, a culinary mark on, as well as, you know, a community mark in this, you know, in this city. Now, do you have anybody on your staff uh, that you're training to be able to duplicate some of the uh, menu items that you have? I'm constantly.
people, I, you know, and I'm still working with Chef Carter. I've worked with quite a few other people um, who branched out um, and doing their own things in different areas of the state of Washington. And it's important. I can't take it with me, so you got to share it with everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't take none of this with you. you, 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 you my, my, my obligation is to share as much of this knowledge and blessing as I can with, you know, with other people in this community. Mm-hmm. You know. So so now do you have currently have a staff of cooks when you have an order? Yeah, yeah, I can always pull, you know, some some people in. My wife worked with me a lot and you know, that's we're celebrating forty years of marriage here, so she oh. she pretty much know, you know, my every move in the kitchen and I try to stay out of her way. So that's how that works, Eddie. Oh, as long as it works, that's the most important thing. As long as it works, brother. Blessing, the, you know. the end product has been outstanding. As a matter of I fact, I appreciate that. I have never had, I mean, I've had some stuff that I normally don't eat. If you cook it, I eat it and don't even ask what it is because it's, it's that good. So uh, I would encourage anyone that's going to have a gathering to contact uh, Jeff Shamil. Uh, uh, Chef, why don't you uh, give them a, a number and uh, I'll put uh, your uh, email, I mean, your website address underneath your picture on Facebook so people can access that as well. Okay, you could you could call me at 206-518-8197. Okay. And, um, you you build, thank you for the day, and we'll have you back on when you got something coming up, okay? All right, I, ha- I appreciate it. You have a beautiful evening. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, that was Chef Jamil Hill, one of the outstanding caterers in uh, the state. And once again, I want to thank uh, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion with Allison and Nikki the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office with me and Lawrence and Josie, and also uh, the City of Seattle's uh, Purchase and Construction Services Office. And want to let everybody know that a couple hours uh, after this live program, uh, Urban Forum Northwest is available on uh, Alexa for the rest of the week. And also our, our website is urbanformnw.com. Programs for the last year are archived on there. Thanks, Eric, for everything, and we'll talk with you again next week. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out Orca Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org.